We walk through the dark doorway. I feel the zoo outside fade all around us as my eyes adjust to the dim small room. Luke turns his phone light on, and immediately the room comes into existence. No sign of the not-girl scouts, though. Whoa. Oh my god, is that a scythe? Uh-huh. Why the fuck does a zoo have a scythe? Wait. Oh my god, this is the broom closet. It's just another entrance. Like there's a door that leads to the ride, the mop I just used an hour ago leaning against the wall. There's a few brooms and tools and stuff hanging on hooks. How have I never noticed the giant fucking scythe? There's one more door, too, in the back. It's open and leads to a hallway. I bet that's where the girls are. I look at Luke. Okay, let's go. Luke shines his phone light in that direction and we start walking. The warm air in the hallway smells faintly like piss and hay. We turn a corner and see them huddled by another door. They look okay. What the fuck? Which one of you screamed? They all three ignore me. Jennifer just starts talking. Okay, this is it. Everyone ready? She turns on a flashlight. Jennifer, I don't want to die. You are not going to die, Meryl. I don't want to die either. Nobody is going to die. Just stick to the plan, okay? The twins nod solemnly. Then Jennifer opens the second door. It swings open into a larger space. Warm, moist air rolls over us. It's thick with the smell of animal. We hear something move on one side of the room. Luke swings his phone light in that direction, but it's just bales of hay. Jennifer, please tell me it's tied up or something. Fran? Jennifer's voice is shaky. Then a noise from the other side of the room. The middle walls make the sound come from like everywhere at once. Their lights swing towards the new sound and there it is. Just standing there. A zebra. And the weird phone light makes its black and white stripes look almost fake. And its eyes shining silver flashes like those safari at night shows on TV. It huffs towards us. <laughs> Fuck! Oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. Jennifer steps out in front a little and reaches her hand in her sweater pocket and pulls out a handful of some sort of grain or feed. Her hands are shaky. The zebra sees it and huffs again in the cold phone light. <gasps> it's okay, baby. It's me, Jennifer. She takes the feed and puts it in a plastic cup. The zebra takes a step toward her. She keeps her eyes on it, but she puts her other hand in her pocket and then pulls it back out. Here, everyone take some feed. It's her favorite. Luke reaches out to take it without looking and their hands don't quite line up and the feed falls to the floor. <gasps> oh no! It scatters and the zebra leaps toward it. Luke's phone falls from his hand. A flash of zebra stripes. Oh my God. Jennifer's light goes flying from her hand and I hear her tumble to the ground. The lights come on. The twins are by a switch on the wall. Luke is by the door close to me. And Jennifer's laying flat on the ground directly underneath the zebra's head. Looking up at it wide-eyed, the zebra's just standing there. One hoof on either side of her head. Guys. The zebra looks down at Jennifer making noise. Jennifer, stop talking. Don't move. I'm, I'm gonna get some feed from the ground over here and I'm gonna try to coax it away from you, okay? I start moving to get feed, but the zebra doesn't seem to like that. It stomps its foot next to Jennifer's head and hugs. Oh God. I stop moving. 
The zebra slams its snout against Jennifer's face and then huffs again. And then just stays there nose to nose with her for what seems like forever. Jennifer is trying her best not to cry. Then... Oh, it licks her face. It's just licking her face. Oh, God. Oh, like a... Like a huge dog. She reaches up and touches its face, and the zebra nuzzles right up to her hand. Gran, there is you. We all get closer slowly. The zebra's just letting Jennifer scratch its face. It seems to like it. Who the fuck is Fran? Jennifer gets up and brushes herself off, wipes her face, composes herself. Then she feeds the zebra the rest of the feed from her sweater, whatever didn't fall out when she fell. She goes around the other side of the zebra, and then reaches out and pulls off a piece of one of its black stripes. The zebra just keeps on chewing like nothing, and she walks over and holds it up for me and Luke to see. The twins close in from the side. Paint. What? This is a mule named Fran from the petting zoo. That critch has been painting all summer to look like Zoe. I used to come visit Fran at night, but then one night she wasn't in her stall. That same week, they announced the whole Zoe quarantine thing, and I knew something wasn't right. Oh, so what happened to the real Zoe? She died. I mean, she was old. I look over at the painted mule, dumbly eating feed. It's sort of hard to believe I was scared of it just a few minutes ago. Why would Critch do this? Because of money. I look up at Luke. His face almost looks older. He's just staring down at Fran. Like you heard what I said at the bar the other night. More people are coming to see the murderous zebra from far away than ever came to see the lovable one up close. He looks back up at me. And also remember the letter about the cake lady's house? Yeah, totally. So, this is all about the zoo's money problems? Like, how bad are those problems? I don't care. Jennifer reaches out and scratches Fran's ear. Being locked up alone like this is killing her. I'm stopping all this tonight. So, we're just gonna take her out of this room, and then what? I'm gonna march her out to that rally and show everyone the truth. Wow. Okay. Luke is quiet. He's slowly petting the side of Fran now. His eyes are closed and his head is bowed. Then he turns to Jennifer, his face serious. Okay, let's do it. Well, getting in is the easy part. Now we gotta get out. Jennifer told us that a lot of the gates to the animal enclosures had electric locks installed in the 80s, when the zoo apparently got this new security system overhaul. But she said due to a glitch in the system, whenever the power went out, the electric locks just unlocked. So the zoo installed manual latches on all the gates just in case. So since the power was out, she said all we needed to do was just go to Zoe's spray pen out back and lift the latch, and we could walk right out. And she was right. So now we're headed to the main drag in the dark with Fran. We come around the building slowly. 
It's pretty quiet. Except for the radio that that monkey has to have to sleep. We stop in the shadow next to an old wooden Zoe souvenir stand. There's an old painting of cartoon Zoe on the side of it and the paint's all peeling. Fran walks up and stops right in front of it with her own paint peeling. Jennifer looks down at her watch. Okay, the security guards should be almost done with their rotation. That means we have another 30 minutes. Wait, somebody's coming. Shh! We all try to squeeze in the shadow by the souvenir stand. It's Critch and Sheila. They stop next to a trash can like 20 feet away. Sheila lights a cigarette. We all hold our breath. Look, even with the money from the house, we still might not break even. I do not believe you sent that letter to Cora. Eh, well, technically Bernard Sanford Esquire did. <laughs> Look, we can't take that woman's house. I don't care how bad we need the money. I won't do it. Hey, it was your idea. Yes, but I immediately said that it was a bad one. Also, God forbid, she ever actually look at the land charter. Sheila looks straight ahead. Her eyes are dead. She takes a hit off her cigarette. Yeah. Whole thing's fucked. Jennifer looks at the twins. Okay, phase two. The twins nod and then trot off into the dark of the zoo. Where are they going? Listen, take this cup. She hands me the plastic cup with feet in it. And then she puts her foot on the souvenir stand and then sort of hops up on Fran's back, grabs onto her mane. If you walk out in front of Fran and shake that cup, she'll follow it. What about Critch and Sheila? I know. We're taking care of them and all the guards in just a second. She waits and listens, with her head kind of crooked sideways. Just the sound of crickets and that monkey's radio. But then the radio stops. Oh, Jesus, could this night get any worse? I'm going to go change the batteries in that damned radio. Okay, I'll put on some coffee just in case. Jesus, she does need her coffee as soon as she wakes up. They both walk off quickly in different directions. Okay, now go. That way. Luke, walk with him and be lookout. Okay. I step out, and I make sure that they're gone, and then I start to walk down the walk. Luke's right next to me. Shake the cup. Oh, yeah. Okay. I shake the cup, and Fran picks up speed, so I start to walk quicker. Good, good. Just stay in the shadows and try- What in the flying furry fuck? It's Sheila. Run! Sheila starts running at us. Security! Go, go! Head toward the animal gate! Shake the cup! Oh, oh yeah. I start running as fast as I can towards the animal gate. And I see it as I start rounding a bend, but I see a flashlight bounce onto the path in front of me. Security guard! Here! This way! Luke turns left and heads towards the food stands, and I follow him, shaking the cup. I look back. Fran is in full gallop now just behind us. Jennifer is looking over her shoulder at the security guard. We weave between the stands, looking for a place to squeeze through the shrubs in the picnic area. I see one! There! We run past the Dippin' Dot stand, and then the hot dog stand, and then the caramel corn stand, and then I hear a crash. Whoa! I look back. The caramel corn stand explodes as Fran runs through it. Hot caramel and popcorn go everywhere, but we all just keep running. Look! She points in front of us. Another security guard steps out in front of the gap in the bushes. Hey, stop! Ah, okay, this way. I take off right again, back out onto the main walk. Lost! 
I'm trying. The new security guard is right behind her. Then the first security guard jumps back out in front of us, but we swerve again. Go there! Through the petting zoo! Me and Luke hop the low wooden fence into the petting zoo, and Fran does the same. Oh, God. Oh, okay. Uh, goats! Watch out for the goats! There's goats! Fran stops and starts kicking the dirt. No, Fran! We can't uh, stop yet! The goats all run up to Fran and start biting her belly and her legs. What the fuck? The corn! She's covered in caramel corn! We have to go now, Dane! Through there! I shake the cup and Fran starts trotting again through all the mulch in the petting zoo. And all the goats are following her, just nipping at the corn on her fur. Good! Luke, oh. open that gate! Luke opens a small gate and we all go through, into the wooded picnic area in the middle of the zoo. But the goats all come running after us. Great! Now head that way! We can take the bridge over the pond! Oh, okay. I see the guards coming through the petting zoo now behind us. We get to the pond. I run out onto the bridge, but Fran stops short on the shore. Maybe she's afraid of the water! Fran bucks a little. No, I think she's just afraid of the bridge. Then Fran steps into the pond and starts to wade across it. It clumsily stomps around on the edge of it. I finish crossing the bridge and wait on the shore. Hurry, the guards are almost here. Fran, come on, go! Fran takes a couple more huge, mucky steps and then regains her footing on the shore and pulls herself up. The guards have just hit the bridge. Good girl, okay, come on, let's go. I turn around to start going again, but as soon as I turn, Critch is right there, standing with a rifle in his arms. <sighs> okay, this ends here. Now get down slowly. I can hear the rally in the distance behind him. Or what? You're gonna shoot a 12-year-old girl? Young man, this is a tranquilizer dart gun, and I have no intention of using it on any human tonight. But if you don't get off that animal, I will be forced to use it on her. Jennifer, maybe you better listen. Jennifer's face is stone. The guards are waiting in the middle of the pond bridge. And just then, the howl of a monkey. Ah! Oh God! Oh, oh God! The chimp, madam, whatever the fuck, is running towards Critch. He shrinks away from her and climbs up onto a picnic table. And she has a plastic coffee cup that she's banging on the ground, and she's screaming. Critch is clutching the gun to his chest on top of the table. It's like he forgot what it was. I don't have any coffee! Wait! Here, I got it! Sheila runs up with a hot pot of coffee, and the chimp immediately calms down and holds out her cup. Then Sheila pours some coffee in the cup. And then the chimp fucking curtsies and sits down on the ground. Between us and Critch, holding the cup in both hands blowing on it like a fucking human. That's really creepy. Dane, go! <sighs> I take off running again, shaking the cup. What about that dart gun? Critch is way too much of a whip to actually use that thing. A tranquilizer dart whizzes by and sticks into a wooden sign as we run past it. I look back. Fuck what Sheila isn't! Just keep going! Darts are whizzing by our heads as we run towards the front gate. I can see movement in the path ahead. Watch out, more guards! No, it's the twins. They start running with us. Faster, we're losing them! We bust out of the wooded picnic area onto the concrete. I can see the main gate. But Fran winds and stops short and her hooves slide on the concrete. She's right by this giant polyurethane clown statue. <laughs> the candy clown. Guys, come on. Why isn't she moving? Um... Shake the cup! Uh, I am um, shaking it. Can you, like, kick her or something? Um, what? One of the twins is pointing to a spot in the shadows ahead of us. There's a shape 
At first I can't make it out, but then it moves. Oh my god. Is that... A lion. Other way, other way! Uh, okay. Jennifer, that was a fucking lion! Like, why are all the animals out of their cages? That way! I have an idea! Faster! Jennifer, there's a lion chasing us and you're riding a zebra! I told you it's not a zebra! Yeah, but the lion doesn't know that! That way! Head toward the new exhibit! When you get to the barricade, throw the cup over! Okay. You're gonna try and jump it? She's never gonna make it! Just do it! I try to run as fast as I can. Faster! I see the barricade ahead. God, it looks so high. Run, Fran! I'm almost there. Come on, Fran. Now, I throw the cup over the barricade, then I jump to the side. I look back just in time to see her jump. And it's like the whole world goes into slow motion. I see the muscles in Fran's legs rippling as she pushes herself off the ground. And Jennifer holding on tight to her mane. Both of them just hanging there, suspended in the air. It's like, it's like a merry-go-round. I don't think they're going to make it. Fuck, I don't think they're going to make it. Oh, I don't want to watch. But I can't not watch. squeeze through a gap in the boards, and Luke and I try to follow, but it's too narrow. The lion's almost here. Fuck. Luke and I hurl ourselves over the barricade. (sighs) I try to breathe, but the wind is completely knocked out of me. I gasp and try. Slowly my body lets air back in. The the ringing in my head starts to fade. My eyes focus. I see stars. Like real, real stars. A square of night sky above me. I'm surrounded by high walls of mud. We must have fallen in one of the holes in the new exhibit. We, Luke, where's Luke? I look over, and I see him. He's laying close to me. But he's not moving. I roll over onto my knees, and I crawl to him. His eyes are closed. Luke. I shake him, but he doesn't wake up or move at all. Luke. I shake him again harder. Nothing. I lean down and try to see if he's breathing. I don't think he's breathing. Luke! What do I do? What do I do? I stand up. Oh, I almost fall again. Okay. I look at the top of the hole. Nobody's coming back. 
It's too high to climb out. I look back down at Luke laying in the mud. In the mud. In a hole. In the mud in a hole. It suddenly comes back to me. Cora's dream. Oh god, a grave. Me and Luke in a grave. This is what Cora was talking about. I lean down and shake him again. Luke. Luke, come on, Luke. 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 Help. Help. Anybody. Luke. 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 Oh, Jesus. Oh, God. Hey. Hey, that's it. Just breathe. Can you open your eyes? He blinks and half opens his eyes. Yeah. That's it. Fuck, you scared me. Can you move everything? Yeah, I think so. Okay, good. Can you look at me? Luke looks up at me. It's like he's looking at a ghost. What is it? His mouth falls open, and his jaw starts shaking. He lifts his arm and points. Dream boy. I follow his finger to the side of the pit. There's, stuck in the wall of mud, is a huge bone face the size of the front of a school bus. I recognize it instantly. It's the fish from the dream. I hear Luke getting up behind me. Dane, there's another one. I turn around. There's another huge face in the opposite wall. They're fossils of some huge species of ancient fish. They look almost exactly like the fish in the dreams, except they have no bodies. Just little traces of spines twisting away from their faces. Jacket bone faces. They're almost looking at each other. I walk up to one. I reach out and I run my hand along the jaw. It's sharp. And then I reach up and I touch the faint spine. But a piece of it falls away from the wall. Fuck. I reach down and pick it up. And I brush the mud off of it. Wait. It's a stone disc with a hole in the middle. John Stonefall. Luke, look at this. I turn to show Luke, but he's just standing in the middle of the hole, quiet and still, looking at one of the fish. I stop and look at him. These things brought us here. I take a step toward him. I start to say that's silly, but then I look down at the disc in my hand, then back up at the faces. Actually, I don't... I don't know what to think. Do you... Think they knew each other? Yeah. Or they wanted to. Maybe they died before they ever got to meet. What if what if they got this close? But then they had to stay 15 feet away from each other for eternity. We both stand there. 
between two faces that haven't seen each other in millions of years. Well, let's introduce him. I take the spinal disc in my hand and I walk to the opposite wall and remove one from that fish and replace it with the one in my hand from the other fish, pushing it into place in the mud. And then I take that one and I do the same with the other fossil. And then I walk back to Luke in the middle. There. Dream Boy 1, meet Dream Boy 2. I look at Luke and smile, but he's not smiling. His eyes aren't blinking. He takes a step closer, and then another. Leans in really close, till his face is right next to mine. I can smell him. Fuck, he smells good. He's looking hard into my eyes. My smile fades. I just look back at him. Our mouths are almost touching. We just inhale each other. Breathing soft with each other. A low buzz building in our bodies. Hit me. What? Hit me. Yeah? Yes. Okay. You sure? Yes. I step back a little bit and I look at him. Time seems to slow down. He inhales and holds it for a second. And then his eyes roll back and his face softens. And he waits. And I do it. I slap the side of his face. Again. I slap him again. Harder this time. but I hit him even harder. He turns and starts kissing me. Oh, it feels like electricity. I can feel the heat of his mouth. I can smell his breath. I can taste his blood, which makes it even hotter. We stumble backward, our feet sinking in the wet mud. I shove Luke's body hard against one of the fish faces. I pull his hair back and I bite his neck. He starts to undo my pants. I bite up to his ear. I can taste blood on his skin. I reach around him and shove my hand into his underwear. He moans. He undoes the front of his pants. And then he reaches up and grabs my hair. Fuck. He yanks it back hard. My head flies back. I stumble backwards a little. He bites my neck. I feel like I'm gonna fall. We stumble away from the wall, kissing, hands on each other's dicks. We trip and fall into the middle of the hole, still kissing. We lay down on our sides. I bite Luke's lip. We get our pants down enough that our dicks are pressing into each other's bodies, grinding into each other, mud's getting everywhere. And then he stops kissing me. He spits on his hand and reaches down and gets my dick wet. And then he gets on all fours. So I get up behind him on my knees. And he reaches back and he guides my dick. And I feel it slowly going in. He's so warm. And he moans a little. 
And we just stay like that for a few seconds. And then I start to fuck him. Slow at first. And then faster. A little harder. And I pull his hair. And I fuck him harder. And faster. And faster. And I see his back ripple with every thrust. I slap his ass as hard as I possibly can. Oh, I feel his body tighten. Fuck. Fuck, I'm getting close. on the ground, pants around our ankles. We're soaking wet and covered in mud. Just breathing. I look down at him. His lip is still bleeding. I reach up and wipe the blood away with my thumb. And then I lick my thumb. It tastes like a hot railroad track. And then he leans in and kisses me. It's the softest kiss. Our bodies instantly curve into each other. But we both keep our eyes open. In the dim light I can see the small muscles in his face fluttering, the shine of his wet eyes moving back and forth between mine. It's like our mouths are kissing each other on their own. Our bodies moving without us. And then I close my eyes. The darkness comes. We're still kissing, but all I can feel is gravity. Like I feel the planet holding on to me, to my body, pulling me in almost too hard. and a rush and it's almost too much at once. I feel gravity everywhere. Like I feel it like like a giant wanting. Like planets and moons and stars and galaxies all aching for each other. Like every single thing wanting nothing more than to smash into everything else. Stop kissing. I smile at him. Hey. He smiles back. 
And then I look up at the fish faces again. They're so still and old and dead. I want to go back to feeling the gravity of everything, so I lean in and start kissing him again. I close my eyes. But all I see is the dark. Do-ra-ra-ra-ra-ra-ra-ra-ra-ra-ra-ra-ra-ra-ra-ra-ra-ra-ra-ra-ra-ra-ra-ra-ra-ra-ra-ra-ra-ra-ra-ra-ra-
Me and Luke find everyone by the souvenir stands by the front gate. There's just row after row of cartoon Zoe faces. I can hear the rally still raging right on the other side of the fence, even without the power. Are they saying fuck Critch? <laughs> Jennifer is off the mule and trying to push it the rest of the way to the gate. Come Jesus. on, Fran! But it's not budging. Critch and Sheila are just standing nearby, watching. Sheila has the dart gun shouldered and there's a cigarette hanging from her lips. And Luke is limping, so there's no point in us trying to like run or get away. So we just walk up and stand next to the twins. But nobody even looks at us. Which is weird, because we're like covered in mud and blood and we've been missing for 20 minutes. Fran, just go! All right. Time for everyone to go home. Critch pulls an apple from his pocket and holds it up. That includes Fran. Fran sees the apple, and then she trots happily over to Critch and takes it. No. Critch pets the side of Fran's face and smiles. Hey, Franny. He looks like he was actually worried. Then his eyes swing back up to Jennifer. Look, I'm not the bad guy. I love Fran too, and I loved Zoe. I love... I love all the animals here. Hell, this is the last place that would take a lot of them. And no matter what they were running from, grueling circuses or abusive owners or... or worse, I tried to make them a home here. Fran is doing her part to save her home. And if you want to take all this down, you can. You can walk out there and blow the whistle and it will all start to come down. But there's no home for Fran after here. There's no home for any of them after this. You don't want that, do you? Jennifer shakes her head and starts sobbing. She looks just like any other little girl. Do I still have a job? Critch looks at me and hardens a little, like he remembers that he's my boss. Well, that depends. On what? On which button you push. He looks at me. I can tell he means red or green. Okay, okay, slumber party is over. Let's go. Sheila throws down her cigarette button, steps on it, and walks up and opens a side door, rifle still over her shoulder. There's a sign on the door that says, emergency exit alarm will sound, but it doesn't. Sheila holds the door open as we walk through. Jennifer walks through first, then the twins, then Luke. And then just as I'm walking through, I stop and glance back. I see Critch scratching Fran's mane and talking to her as he leads back into the darkness of the zoo. I watch them both dissolve into the shadows. Then Sheila shuts the door behind us. And we're back in the middle of the rally. Jennifer takes off running across the parking lot hiding her face from us, 
and the twins are right behind her. I watched them all disappear. They had this all planned out. I mean, we, we just ran from a fucking lion. What exactly was their plan? I look up at Luke. Well, what a fucking night. <laughs> yeah. He looks down at the ground, kicks the cement a little. It was nice, though. You know, parts of it. <laughs> he glances up at me. Yeah. Well, um, you, you walking back? Actually, I think I want to walk around some and think. Oh, okay. I smile at him. He smiles at me. I'll hit you up. Yeah. Hit me up. He turns and starts walking home toward Yorkshire Road and the empty house. And then it's just me, standing on the edges of a rally to save an animal that's already dead. Just then the power comes back on. I turn to walk away, but out of the corner of my eye I see a big fancy sign for the new exhibit. So I walk over to it. The Forgotten Sea. How do you forget a whole sea? Oh my god, there's a fucking button underneath it. What is it with this place in buttons? It does just make you want to push it though. So I push it. 350 million years ago, 120 million years before the first dinosaurs, during a time called the Devonian period, the exact spot where you're standing was at the bottom of a warm ocean. This ancient sea was home to all sorts of aquatic creatures, big and small, but the biggest and most ferocious of these creatures was the Dunkleosteus. With its huge, jagged bone jaws and giant black eyes, you might think the Dunkleosteus would be hard to love. Unless, of course, you were another Dunkleosteus. This fall, we found not one, but two Dunkleosteus skulls locked in the shale beneath your feet. Buried together millions of years ago in an ancient underwater landslide. Love will be in the air next spring at the Pepper Heights Zoo. So be sure to bring a date to our new exhibit, The Forgotten Sea. I take a street I've never walked down. This little side street that curves until it disappears. It's not the direction of Emily's house, but I don't care. I'm not even hungry anymore. And the air feels good. This street must be an older street. Like, none of the new ones are curvy like this. And the houses look old. Like there's a house with actual flames in the lamps on its porch. I walk for a little while. It's a long street. I'm just following the curves, letting my mind wander to Luke and to Jennifer and the zoo and the fish, the 
Dunklesauruses or whatever. I'm passing in and out of the warm circles of streetlight on the sidewalk. Old lights. As I come around the wide curve, though, I see that the street is a dead end, and at the end is a huge gate. I step out into the street, walk right down the middle of it, right up to the gate. It's old, too. There's something eerie about it. It says Stonefall real big in fancy metal letters. And I, I realize that I'm slightly out of breath, and I turn and I look behind me, and I can see the whole neighborhood stretching out below me. I've been walking uphill this whole time and I didn't even notice. And then I hear it. A cussing. Cocksucker, motherfucker, son of a bitch! The utility truck from the zoo parking lot. It's parked right under a streetlight at the curb next to me. And there's the man in the crane bucket. He's slamming the controls. But the bucket isn't moving. It's just making a weird sound. What the fuck? And he's cussing. I turn to walk away, but I step on a piece of glass on the street. The man looks down at me. Oh. Sorry. Uh no, it's okay. I I didn't I didn't mean to scare you. I, I was just No, no, you didn't scare me. He leans out over the bucket. It rocks a little bit. Shit, I didn't scare you, did I? No. No. I'm sorry. I'm scaring people all fucking week. No, really. I'm fine. Really. I realize that I'm still bloody and covered in mud. He looks down at me with a scrunched up face. Uh, you don't look fine. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm having sort of a weird night. His eyes go wide. It looks like he's trying not to laugh. Weird night? Boy, mine is shaping up to be weirder, my friend. Uh, Oh, really? Yeah, you remember that plane that went down a few days ago? Uh, yeah. After I'm done replacing the lights on this block, I gotta go down to the lake and help the police look for it. Oh. Uh, why? Well, because they have the underwater searchlights, but I'll be goddamned if they can figure out how to use them. They want to look in the lake tonight? Yeah, and they think it's out there in the deep part. His eyes drift away creeps me out. Yeah. An awful image pops into my head. A bright beam of light in murky water. The crumpled plane. Silver flashes of scavenger fish swimming away from Esmeralda Barring's bloated face. God damn it. Damn this fucking thing. You are a motherfucker. He kicks the side of the bucket. You are a motherfucker. And then he just sighs and looks out over the neighborhood. I turn to look too. Every street is new lights except for this one. This is the last street to go. I look back up at him. I wish you didn't have to replace the lights. The new ones suck. He just keeps staring out over the neighborhood. It's a weird look on his face. Like he's trying to remember something. A bird in a cage will sing to the bars. A cog will dream of the machine. And so do we waste all our wishes on stars. 
when there's all of that space in between. Um, that's nice. Uh, what is that? He looks back down at me slowly. What do you mean? It's a fucking poem. The bucket starts working finally and takes him up. It stops just below the light next to a big box on the side of the pole. You don't realize how big a street light is until you see a person next to one. He leans over the side of the bucket and looks down at me. The light is right behind him, tracing his edges. It's making every wisp of hair on his head glow all around his shadow face. Then he starts to sway in rhythm back and forth in the bucket. Some people like the warmth of incandescence Others like the cool of white fluorescence Many prefer the sun But not everyone Now I'm just another worker in the great unknown But I'll tell you what'll really rattle your bones It's not all the things you'll see It's the things you won't For all the different kinds of light There's only one kind of night He reaches out and opens up the big weird box on the side of the pole. The door swings open. Dust falls down to the street below. And inside the box is an array of tubes and wires and buttons and switches. Now some little critters, they bioluminesce. Or occasionally a rock will phosphoresce. But if you've gone astray, They won't light your way No, for that you need a little Technological assistance Capacitors, adapters, the right resistance And even with all this You still need a switch For all the different kinds of life There's only one kind of night. Slowly he reaches up and puts his hand on one of the switches. He looks down at me and smiles. And then he flicks it. And all the lights in Pepper Heights go out. Dream Boy is co-created by Dane Terry and Ellie Heyman. Developed and directed by Ellie Heyman. Written, composed, and performed by Dane Terry. Featuring John Cameron Mitchell, Michael Cavadias, 
Cecil Baldwin, Renata Friedman, Morgan Meadows, Avery Drought, Gianna Massey, Alice Tolan Mee, Somerset Thompson, Jake Sellers, and Chris Weingarten. Sound designed, engineered, mixed, and mastered by Chris Weingarten at Banana Peel Studio. Edited by Alexander Charles Adams. Creative producer and assistant director, Ashlyn Hatch. Associate producer, Adam Cecil. Executive producer, Christy Grussman. A very special thanks to Night Vale Presents. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at dreamboypodcast. For more info and for merch, check out dreamboypodcast.com. Dream Boy, Dream Boy, you're my only dream boy. Dream boy, dream boy, you're my only dream boy. Dreams fade into the Hey y'all, it's Jeffrey Craner. So I do another fiction podcast called Within the Wires, which are stories told through the guise of found audio. Each season is a separate tale. You want a prison escape told through relaxation tapes? That's season one. Want a love story that unfurls through voice messages only? Season five. How about the revelations of an unexplained death told through a series of museum audio guides? Season two. There are seven seasons of Within the Wires for you to binge right now, each only 10 episodes long. So go get Within the Wires wherever you get your podcasts.